When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, my friends, and welcome to a brand new episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I'm your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd. And tonight's episode is entitled British Invasion, referring to the two selections featured tonight on this episode, which both come from, how's that old saying, across the pond. Now, I'll admit, neither one of these series were broadcasted during the golden age of radio era, but I still consider them to be a part of the resurgence of old time radio so without further ado this is Terror Radio the two programs featured tonight are Fear on 4 and The Haunted Tales of the Supernatural now Fear on 4 was the second revival of the popular BBC radio series called Appointment of Fear which ran from 1943 to 1955 this particular series was referred to as the British version of suspense the first revival was in 1976 and the last being in 2009 Fear on 4 was the second revival in 1988 the radio play tonight is The Yellow Wallpaper which is an adaptation of the short story by Charlotte Perkins Gilman which was originally published in January 1892. Now, this radio play was first broadcasted on December 27th in 1990. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to The Yellow Wallpaper. Yes, I'm back. Back to remind you that fear is always just a glance, a touch, a smell, a thought away. We can run away from fear, hide from it, but our mind is a place where terror is trapped. In today's story, we enter a woman's mind, have access to it, to her mental diary. The woman, whose husband is a doctor, has not been well for some weeks. Her husband, however, does not believe that she is really ill, but, unlike us, he does not have that access to her thoughts and the evil that threatens from the very walls that surround her. It's possible you won't ever feel quite the same about the walls of your own room after you've been exposed to the yellow wallpaper. John is a physician, and perhaps I wouldn't say it openly to a living soul, of course, But these are my secretest thoughts, and I must express myself somehow, and 
somewhere. Perhaps that is one reason I do not get well faster. John does not believe that I'm sick, or he says not. But of course it may be only to comfort me. And what can one do? If a physician of high standing and one's own husband assures friends and relatives that there's nothing the matter but temporary nervous depression, well, what can one do? So I take phosphates, or phosphites, whichever it is, and tonics and exercise, and am absolutely forbidden to work until I'm well again. What am I to do? Well, at least we're in the country now, and that's always... If I had less opposition, and perhaps a little more stimulus, that's what I need. But John says the worst thing I can do is to think about my condition. So I will let it alone and think about the house. It's a lovely house, the most beautiful place. We were so lucky to find it, quite alone and well back from the road and three miles from the village. So old, with hedges and walls and little gates that lock. And a delicious garden so large and shady for me to walk in when I'm a little stronger. I sometimes wonder, is it haunted? There's definitely something strange about it, else why should it have stood so long untenanted before John took it? He laughs at me for talking that way. So does Jenny, his sister. But I don't care. There is something strange about the house. I can feel it. And can I confess? I don't like this room. Not a bit. No, not a bit. It was a nursery once, I think. The windows are barred for little children. But the paper the paper looks as if a boy's school had once used this room. It's all stripped off, the paper, in great patches all round the head of my bed, about as far as I can reach, and in a great place on the other side of the room, low down. I never saw a more dreadful paper in my life. One of those sprawling, flamboyant patterns, all curves, creeping, uncertain, twisted curves. And the colour is repellent. A smouldering yellow all over, and a sickly sulfuric tint in some patches, and a lurid orange in others. No wonder the children hated it. I should hate it myself if I had to live here long. Unclean yellow. I'm sitting by the window now, up in this atrocious nursery. I'm glad my case is not serious, not really serious. But these nervous troubles are depressing. John doesn't know how much I really suffer. He knows there's no reason to suffer, and that satisfies him. I get so unreasonable with him sometimes, and angry with him sometimes. I never used to be so sensitive. Of course, it's only nervousness. But John says if I'm not careful, I shall lose all self-control. So I try to control myself. Or before him, at least. And 
makes me very tired. And then I cry. I meant to be such a help to John. And such a real comfort. And I think I'm only a burden. And he worries about me. Nobody would know what an effort it is to do what little I'm able, just to dress and walk about a little, perhaps, and order things. It's lucky Jenny is so good with our baby. And yet I can't be with him. Oh, it makes me so nervous. I suppose John was never nervous. He laughs at me sometimes about this wallpaper. At first he meant to repaper the room, but afterwards he said that I was letting it get the better of me and that nothing was worse for a nervous patient than to give way to such fancies. He said that after the wallpaper was changed, it would be the heavy bedstead, and then the barred windows, and then that gate at the head of the stairs, and so on. And it would not be worth doing much. We're not here for very long. And in a way, I'm getting quite fond of the big room. All but that paper. Teak, yellow wallpaper. I can see the garden out of the window and the little deep-shaded arbours and the old-fashioned flowers and the trees. There's a beautiful shaded lane that runs from the house. I always fancy I see people walking in the paths. But John has told me not to give way to such fancy. So I try. At least I try. Oh, I wish I could get well faster. But I mustn't think about that either. This paper looks as if it knew what a vicious influence it had. There's a spot where the pattern lolls like a broken neck. And there are two bulbous eyes that stare upside down. I get angry with it and its impertinence and its everlastingness. And up and down and sideways they crawl. And those unblinking eyes are everywhere. And I never saw such expression in a thing before. An inanimate thing. Although... Inanimate things can have great expression. I used to lie awake as a child and get more entertainment and terror out of blank walls and plain furniture than most children could find in a toy shop. And I remember what a kindly wink the knobs of our big old desk used to have. And there was one chair that always seemed like a strong friend. I used to feel... But if any of the other things looked too fierce, I could always hop into that chair and be safe. All safe. All safe. But there is no old chair in this room. Moonlight. And I lie here on this great bed and follow the pattern, hour by hour. How huge the bed is. I believe it is nailed down. I cry at nothing. Not when John is here, of course. Or anybody else. But when I am all alone. Like now. Tonight. I am alone in the house. I will follow the pattern. I will. I will. I, I start at the corner, the far corner, where the paper hasn't been torn away. I know a little of design, 
But this thing was never arranged in any design I ever heard of. Each strip is alone. All alone. And the bloated curves. And the flourishes. All in columns. And they connect diagonally. And they go off in long waves. Slanting waves. Like seaweed. And there is another pattern behind but only in certain lights and I can fancy sometimes sometimes a formless sort of figure no 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 Oh, such an effort to think straight. I am to use my will. I am to keep well. He says, John says, that no one but myself can help me. If we had not used the room, the baby would have had it. I would never have a child in such a room for worlds. Oh, it's lucky John kept me here and would not let me get out, for I can stand it ever so much better than a baby. Of course, I never mention it to them anymore. I'm too wise. But I keep watch all the same. I keep watch. There are things in that paper nobody knows but me. Or ever will. It's always the same shape. Only very numerous. And it's like a woman stooping down and creeping about behind that pattern... I don't like it. I wish John would take me away from here. The moon shines all round, just as the sun does. I hate it sometimes. It creeps up so slowly. I got up softly a moment ago and went to feel and see if the paper did move. You think you have mastered the pattern, but you never have. Never. It changes as the light changes. No one else knows that. I imagine a toadstool in joints and an interminable string of toadstools and all budding and sprouting and in endless convolutions. And that there is something like it. That is sometimes... It changes so quickly I can never believe it. At night, in any kind of light, and in twilight and in candlelight and in lamplight, and worst of all, in moonlight, it becomes bars. The outside pattern, bars. It's moonlight now. Bars. And the woman behind, as plain as can be, I lie still. I just lie still. Oh, I lie down so much now. He says it is good for me, and I am to sleep all I can. But I don't sleep. I can't. It cultivates deceit. I don't tell them I'm awake. Oh, no. And I am almost a little afraid of 
him, John. And he looks at me so strangely sometimes. And even Jenny looks strangely sometimes. And I think... I wonder that perhaps it is the paper. I watch him when he doesn't know I watch. And I come into the room suddenly. And I catch him several times looking at the paper. And Jenny looking too. I caught Jenny with her hand on it once. Yesterday. She didn't know I was there and watching. And when I asked her in a quiet voice and very restrained... And I asked her what she was doing with the paper. She turned round as if she'd been caught stealing and she looked quite angry. And then she said that the paper stained everything it touched and that she'd found yellow marks and smudges on my clothes. And it sounded so innocent, so innocent. But I know she was studying the pattern. And nobody is to find out but me. Not anybody. The woman behind is quiet in the daytime. But at night, now, now, no, no, I will get better, I will get better, I will, I will, I will. I'm feeling so much better now. So much better. I don't sleep much at night, perhaps, for it's so interesting to watch. To watch developments. But I sleep a good deal in the daytime. In the daytime, it's tiresome and perplexing. There are always new shoots on the fungus. And new shades of yellow all over it. I can't keep count of them. I can't, though I have tried. It's the strangest yellow, that wallpaper. It makes me think of all the yellow things I ever saw. Not lovely ones like buttercups, but old yellow things. Foul yellow things. And there's something else about that paper. The smell. I noticed it the moment we came into the room, but with so much air and sun it was never so bad. Now we've had a week of fog and rain, and whether the windows are open or not, the smell is here. It creeps all over the house. It lies in wait. I can turn my head suddenly and surprise it. It's not so bad at first. And very gentle. But so subtle. And enduring. I wake up in the night. And find it hanging over me. It used to disturb me at first. I thought perhaps of burning the house to reach the smell. But I'm used to it now. And the only thing I can think of that... that it's like is the colour. The colour of the wallpaper. A yellow smell. There is a mark on the wall. A new one. Very strange, low down near the skirting board. A long, long streak that runs right round the room. It goes behind every piece of furniture except the bed. A long, straight, even smudge, as if it had been rubbed over and over. I wonder how it was done and who did it. And why they did it. Round and round 
and round. Round and round and round. Oh, it makes me giddy. But I really have discovered something at last. I really have. Through watching. So much watching at night when it changes so. The front pattern does move. The woman behind makes it move. Sometimes I think there are a great many women behind. And sometimes only one. And she creeps round. She creeps round so fast. And the creeping moves it all over. Then in the bright places, she keeps still. So very still. And then she looks at me. For a long, long while, she just looks at me. And perhaps she'll take the bars for a moment, the shady places, and shake them. And she tries to climb out. But no one can climb out through that pattern. It strangles. That is why there's so many. And the eyes turn white when it strangles. But I think that woman gets out in the daytime. For I've seen her. I can see her out of every one of my windows. It's the same woman I know. For she's always creeping. I see her creeping up and down in that long shaded lane. And the long road there, under the trees. Creeping along. And when someone passes, she hides and crouches in the hedges. She won't want to be seen. No, it would be dreadful to be seen. It would be so humiliating to be caught in daylight. I always lock the door in daylight. I can't do it at night, for I know John would suspect something at once. And he's so strange now that I don't want to anger him. I don't want to distress him. I wish... Oh, if he would take another room. I don't want anyone to get the woman out at night but myself. I wonder often if I could see her out of all the windows at once. She may be able to creep faster than I can turn. I've watched her sometimes away in the open country, creeping as fast as a cloud shadow in a high wind. If only the top pattern could be got from the under one. I mean to try it, little by little. Yet there's so little time. Only two more days. I found another strange thing, but I shan't tell them. Not this time. No, it doesn't do to trust people too much. Oh, only two more days to get this paper off. And I believe John is beginning to notice. I don't like the look in his eyes. And I heard him ask Jenny a lot of professional questions about me. She had a very good report to give. She said I slept a good deal in the daytime. Well, John knows I don't sleep very well at night, for all I'm so quiet... He asked me so many questions and pretended to be very loving and kind, as if I couldn't see through him. Yet I think he's decided to go. Yes, at last. I shall have company in the new home. And I don't want company. Only two more days. He said he would go in two more days. He's come in. Oh, John has just come in. A moment ago, just a moment ago. And he... No. I want to go back a little in my thoughts. I want to take it all so calmly and simply. 
the realisation that John has decided that we will leave here and go back to town. I want to relish it. To relish it. Before he came in, then. Just before he came in. Before he saw me, I was thinking so happily, this is the last day, the last day of all, and... Oh, I was so happy. And even last night I was happy. Then Jenny wanted to sleep with me, John being in town. They're all so sly. But I told her I should rest better for a night all alone. And that was clever. For I wasn't alone. As soon as it was moonlight, the woman began to creep and move the pattern. I got up and ran to help her. I pulled and she shook and I shook and she pulled. And before morning we had peeled off strips and strips of it. A strip about as high as my head and half round the room. And then, when the sun came and the pattern began to laugh at me, I declared I would finish it today. We go away today. And they have moved all my own things down so as to leave things as they were before. Jenny looked at the wall in amazement when she came in this morning. But I told her merrily that I only did it out of spite, pure spite at the vicious thing. And she laughed, but so strangely, and said that she wouldn't mind doing it herself, but I not to get tired, and how she betrayed herself that time. But I am here, and no person touches that paper but me. Not alive. Jenny tried to get me out of the room to wait downstairs till John came. Oh, it was too patent. But I said it was so quiet and empty and clean now with all the things away, and I believed I would lie down and sleep again all I could to get ready for the journey when John came, and not to wake me even for dinner, and I would call when I woke. So, Jenny's gone now, and the servants are gone, and only that nurse is downstairs, waiting for John and I to come down. But John and I won't come down. Not for a long time. Nothing here now. Nothing at all. Except the great bedstead nailed down with the canvas mattress we found on it. I enjoy the room. Now it's bare again. But how these children did tear about here. <gasps> Their great gouges and scratches on the floor... And the bedstead is all splintered and almost gnawed, it seems. But I must get to work again. I locked the door. I had to lock the door so that he wouldn't interrupt. And I threw the key out of the window through the bars down beside the front path. I brought a rope up here. I've got it now. And even Jenny didn't find it, though she looked all round. And if the woman does get out and tries to get away... I can tie her. But I forgot. I forgot. I can't reach. I can't reach higher without anything to stand on. And there's only the bed. And the bed doesn't move. I tried and tried and... I still try. I try to lift and push until I'm lame. And I peeled off all the paper I could reach from the floor. There was always that. But, but it stuck... It still sticks. And the pattern always laughed. Oh, I'm getting angry enough to do anything. To jump out of the window would be good. But the bars are too strong even to try again. And it wouldn't do. There's still so much to be done. So much. 
I don't like to look out of the windows even. There are so many creeping women, and they creep so fast, much faster than I can. I wonder if they all came off the paper, as I did. But I am firmly fastened now with my rope. They won't get me out in the road there, no. I suppose I shall have to get back behind the baton when it comes night. And that is hard. So hard. Oh, it is so pleasant to be out in this great room and creep as I please. I don't want to go outside. I won't. Not even if they ask me. For you have to creep on the ground outside. And everything is green instead of yellow. But here I can creep smoothly on the floor. And my shoulder just fits the long mark round the wall so I can't lose my way. And I crept and crept. And then John came. Just a moment ago. John came. And he knocked and knocked and cried out. And he seemed so angry and so anxious and so distressed. And he called for a hammer. But the nurse downstairs must have gone out for a minute. And he went on calling. So I had to call out to him after a time. But in the gentlest voice, I had to call that the key was down by the front steps where I'd thrown it. And he went down. I heard him going down. And then he ran up with the key, and he came in. He's in here now, in the room with me. But when he did come in, when he first came in, and when he stood there so empty and wild-looking in the door, oh, poor John, poor John, I went on creeping. But I smiled at him over my shoulder. But why should he have given such a little moan? Such a strange little moan. And why should he have crumpled so and fallen down? But he did. He did. Right across my path. Right across it by the wall. So I have to creep over him every time. Every time I go round and round now, I have to creep over him. Over him. Over him. Over him when I go round. Round and 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 round. Yes. Fear is just a thought away, a haunting step away. I visited the woman the other day in her new home. Her room is small, but she likes it. The walls are a pleasant cream colour. She seems content. As I left, however, I stumbled against one of the walls. It was soft and yielding to the touch. Do you feel the same about the walls which surround you? Hmm? And when did you last touch them? 
In the yellow wallpaper, the woman was played by Anna Massey. It was written by Charlotte Parkins Gilman, dramatised by John Keir Cross, and directed by Jerry Jones. I am Edward de Souza, the man in black. And next week at the same time I shall be recounting a little tale which should be green and pleasant. But of course it may not be. Good night. I've heard many radio adaptations of this particular story. And I must admit, this version is on the top of the list for me. Now, our second program is Haunted Tales of the Supernatural, which was broadcasted on the BBC World Service from 1980 to 1984. The premise was literally adaptations of classics and original ghost stories. It was directed by Derek Hadenot. The radio play tonight is an adaptation of the short story entitled Little Girl Lost, written by British author Rosemary Timberley. The original short story was published in 1975, and this broadcast debuted on June 21st, 1980. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Little Girl Lost. How do you do, Doctor? I thought it was Janet. Janet's not home from school yet, Mother. Oh, well, I don't understand, Sally. It's quite unnecessary to have called the Doctor. I've only got a bronchial cold. Uh, Maybe, but there's no need to take risks, is there? An examination won't go amiss now, will it, Mrs Grove? Such a fuss. If you'll excuse me one moment, Doctor. Yes, of course, Mrs Lake. But it's just that I've got something cooking. I'll be perfectly all right. I think Mrs Grove and I will get along splendidly. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And and what may I ask you laughing at? Something cooking, indeed. I couldn't have put it better myself. You can stop this fast, Doctor. I know why she sent for you. You've come to see whether I'm mad or not. I can assure you, Mrs Grove, I haven't. I've come because, by the look of things, you've got a touch of bronchitis and a worried daughter-in-law. You're new, aren't you? I took over from Dr Martin two months ago. Oh, I see. Thought I hadn't seen you before. Well, she thinks I'm mad. And why does she think that? Because she hears me talking to John. Who's John? My husband. I thought you were a widow. So I am. But I still talk to my husband. Sally doesn't understand, nor does my son. They think I imagine it. When did your husband die? He left the world a year ago. At first I stayed on at the cottage. Then Herbert, he's my son by my first husband, insisted that I come and live here with him. I'd got accustomed to talking to John at the cottage, so it's difficult to remember not to now. Sally keeps catching me in the middle of a conversation with him. She looks at me as if she thinks I ought to be behind bars. (laughs) (laughs) You're an old fraud. You think so, do you? Yes, I do. Well, remember, it wasn't me who made you come here for nothing. Still, I 
I like you, Doctor. You've got a sense of humour. Thank you. Which is more than you can say for some. You can come and see me whenever you like. Well, that's very kind of you. Now, I'll go and leave a prescription for some linctus with Mrs Lake. Good day, Mrs Grove. Goodbye, Doctor. You see, John, I knew she'd tell him. So I thought I'd put my side of it first. I was right to tell him, wasn't I? Oh, John, really? (laughs) What did she tell you, Doctor? She talks with her dead husband. Her second husband, I gather? Yes. And it's getting worse. She talks to him all the time when she's alone. Well, it's not unusual for someone recently bereaved to feel the presence of a dead spouse. Many widows, and widowers too, for that matter, have the experience. and Keep it to themselves. Uh, Mrs Grove is open about it, which isn't a bad thing, really. Oh, you don't have to live with it, Doctor. It's getting me down, I can tell you. My husband laughs it off and says it's harmless, but then she doesn't do it so much when he's around. I expect she thinks it's tactless. You see, my husband, uh, Herbert, didn't exactly love John Grove. His mother deserted his father and him for John when Herbert was only a little boy. Still, he's very fond of his mother, and when she was left on her own, he asked her to come here to stay with us, although she's always made me feel uneasy. She's, um, weird... Doctor. Uh, Your mother-in-law mentioned uh, uh, Janet. Yes, she's our daughter. Oh, yes. Uh, Does she find Mrs Grove, well, weird? I don't know. I've expected her to say uh, who is Gran talking to, but she never does. She sort of accepts it. (sighs) You think I'm making a fuss about nothing. Oh, Janet, this is Dr Raven, my daughter. Hello, young lady. Hello. Is Gran worse? No, 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 no. She's coming along nicely. Oh, good. I brought her some of those wine gums she likes. I'll take them up to her. Oh, no, she might be asleep, darling. No, she's not. I can hear her talking. That's the first time she's actually mentioned it. (laughs) They always do that. do, Do what? I never know what they're laughing at. Well, it's probably something quite innocent. Well, it doesn't sound like it to me. Doctor, I'm sorry. Perhaps it is getting me down. Gran's all right. She's pleased with the wine gums. I told her she ought to go to sleep for a while. Absolutely right. What was the joke about? Nothing I dare repeat in front of Mummy. It was something John said. That's all. Sally, are you sure she said that? What have Of course I'm sure, Herbert. Right in front of Dr Raven, when he asked her what she was laughing at, she replied it was something John said. That's all. The way she said it, so casual. It was the casual way she said it that frightened me. Frightened you? Yes. You must do something. Go and speak to your mother. No, Herbert, while Janet's doing her homework. Steady on, Sally. I mean it. Something has got to be done. She hasn't got much left in life, love. What's a bit of talking to herself matter? Please, Now. You look as though you've come to tell me off. (laughs) Not really, Mother. 
It's just... Well, it's just this business of talking to John. We can't have you upsetting Janet, can we? I don't upset her. Oh, Mother, listen to me. Now, John Grove is dead. Whatever you hear in your head, it's not him. You resent him. You always have. He took me away from you. But it was your own fault. Don't let's rake up old history again, please. That old history happens to be my life. I can't have you discussing him with Janet. When John speaks to me and Janet happens to be here, I can't ignore him. The child wouldn't expect me to. She doesn't think I'm out of my mind the way you and Sally do. We don't think you're out of your mind. Yes, you do. You know in your heart of hearts that he's not there at all. He is there. John is not a fantasy. Yes, Danny? Oh, sorry. I thought Gran was alone. What do you want? I've come to talk to Gran. Let her stay, Herbert. We enjoy our little chats. All right. But remember what I said. Your father objects to me talking to John. Why shouldn't you talk to your husband? It doesn't strike you as strange, then. <laughs> A bit. But then life is strange, isn't it? You never know what's going to happen next, do you? You know, my darling, you're so right. And so young to have recognised that. Do you know, Janet, my dear, at his funeral, I was saying to him in my mind, Goodbye, my darling. And he gave that little chuckle, which I knew so well. And he said in reply, Did you really think you got rid of me as easily as this? Not on your life. (laughs) (laughs) How fantastic. Did you laugh? I gave a rather undignified snort, which was taken, fortunately, for a sob. (laughs) You are marvellous, Gran. Oh, I wish I had a dead husband to talk to. Much more fun than washing and getting meals ready all the time like Mummy does. You clean your room, don't you? Well, that's Mummy's idea. Although, actually, I don't mind. It means she doesn't have to go in there and nose around. Yes, privacy's nice. I miss it. When I was alone at the cottage and John was there, I neglected the housework and he said, You're a natural slut. Look at that dust. (laughs) And he laughed so sweetly. People waste too much time dusting. Anyway, we're all made of dust, aren't we? Yes, John. What did he say? He said, only our bodies are. I wish I could hear him too. One day. Not yet. Herbert and your mother disapprove. As we live on charity in their house, we must respect their wishes. (laughs) What's the joke, Gran? John's just uttered a word. A rude word. What was it? I know nearly all of them. Oh, no. I shouldn't. Oh, go on, please, Gran. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now, Mrs Lake, is it you you've come to see me about? Or Mrs Grove? Mrs Grove. I see. It was a month ago that I came to visit her, wasn't it? I need your help, Doctor. 
My mother-in-law is gaining too much influence over my daughter. She spends nearly every evening in her room. They laugh together. Well, isn't that a good thing, Mrs. Lake? No, it's the laughter that frightens me most of all. It's odd. It's not like normal laughter. They talk softly like conspirators. And last night something really awful happened. Well, I'm ashamed to admit this. Go on, please. Well, I listened at the door of Mrs. Grove's room and I heard her say... Well, John, how can Janet help us? And and then she said, Janet, open the door quickly. The door was flung open and Janet caught me there listening. She said, Mummy, you were listening in a voice of horror. And I denied it and packed her off to bed. Then Mrs. Grove said, You were listening, Sally. I know because John told me. Well, I tell you, Dr. Raven, I'd crept up those stairs without making a sound. How could she have known I was there? Oh, very easily, Mrs. Lake. A person living in a room all day gets to know every little sound the house makes, every creak, every rustle, every whisper. You... You don't think it is possible that John is there, do you? No, I don't. But she thinks he is, and she has a strong personality. It's affecting you as well as Janet... I think it would be a good idea if you tried and persuaded Mrs. Grove to come in and see me. You're conspiring with my daughter-in-law to have me put away, and that's the truth. Yes, nothing of the sort, Mrs. Grove. But you do realise how much you're distressing the household by insisting that John is with you? I won't lie and pretend he's not. Well, then, couldn't you keep it more to yourself... Especially where the child's concerned. You're being stupid now, Doctor. It's Janet who understands, you see. If it weren't for her, I'd have escaped this life and joined John long before now. He wants me to, you know. Now, now, look, Mrs. Grove, have you considered that the voice you hear isn't John at all? Don't be ridiculous, Doctor. <laughs> What's so funny? Oh, it wasn't you. John just said something. It wasn't very polite, I'm afraid. I see. Uh, Look, Mrs Grove, I'd like to fix an appointment for you at the psychiatric clinic. I suppose you're happy now. What, sir? Mother's changed out of all recognition since she's been attending that psychiatric clinic. Yes, she has. She's quieter for one thing. That cackling of hers has stopped for another, and for a third she's stopped talking to John. Oh, for once the house is normal again. She's not the same woman I used to know. The spark's gone out of her, and Janet's changed too. Yes, they're not conspiring together anymore. Conspiring? Really, Sally? Laughing at me behind my back. She was corrupting our daughter, and you were allowing it to happen. You don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, it hasn't stopped Janet from sitting in her bedroom with her. That's true. It hasn't. But all she does now is read to her. That's all. There's no harm in Janet reading to her. You've got them safe, my darling? Yes, Gran. John asks me to thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, John. Shh! Careful, my little darling. Keep your voice down. She might be listening. It's difficult waiting like this. Still, it'll only be a few more hours, and then... 
tonight. Are you afraid, Gran? No, and you mustn't be either. You'll be safe. I'm not afraid when I'm with you, Gran. Good. Be brave, little one. Let me have them after they've gone to bed. Creep in like a little ghost, eh? What exactly will happen after? By tomorrow, you'll know. Heart failure. When did it happen? Just after you and Janet left this morning. Does Janet know yet? No. I thought she'd better stay at school for the day while we sorted things out. Oh, God. Poor mother. I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't get home quicker. The office said you were out. I couldn't reach you. Yes, I had to go around the Plimston branch. Dr. Raven oh. said something else. I didn't know whether to believe him or not. I, I mean, I find it hard to believe. What do you say, Sally? Well, he said there's reason to believe that your mother died from an overdose of those tablets the psychiatric clinic gave her. What? I said I thought it was impossible. Of course it is. Well, I told him that I took charge of those tablets when she came home from the clinic and that only I gave them to her one hmm. three times a day as prescribed. Well, what do you say to that? Well, he said that mental patients... Were... Mental patients? She wasn't a mental oh, patient. Oh, please. Mental patients? My God. Oh, he said that mental patients were skillful at pretending to have taken tablets yet saving them up to take in one go. That's what he said. Oh, my God. Heart failure. A broken heart's more like it. We should never have sent her to that damn clinic. All she needed to keep her happy was a harmless yeah, ghost. It wasn't harmless, as well you know. We took away her only comfort. You mean I took away her only comfort? All right, I do mean that. Am I being blamed for her death now? Oh, Sally, of course you're not. I, you know what I You'll meant. You'll be saying next it was me who administered the overdose. Oh, Sally, for God's well, sake. Well, why not? That's what you really think, that I bet. That isn't true. Yeah, I couldn't get rid of her fast enough, is that it? Look, Sally, all I said... I know is... what you said. I know what's at the back of your mind. Well, if you must know, it wasn't me, it was Janet. What? Oh, my God. What say? I didn't want to believe it. Sally, look at me. What, what do you mean it was Janet? Oh, uh, but listen, I didn't want to think it, but... Well, while I was waiting for the doctor to come after I'd found your mother, I, I started to... Tidy up Janet's room. Well, you know, something to do. I mean, I, I just couldn't sit around. The silence. Um, Janet's room was in a mess again, and her nightdress was on the floor. It's unusual for her. She used to be so tidy. When I put the nightdress back in her drawer, I, 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 I found this. Look. A bottle? With the tablets inside, yes. And you, you think... I know her, but I know they're your mother's tablets. But if Mother had been hoarding three a day since she came home, there'd be twice as many as this. We'll have to talk to Janet when she comes in. When she gets over the shock. <laughs> Hello. What are you 
you doing? Hello. I thought you might be asleep. Just looked in to see how you were. I can't sleep. No. No. Looking for something, were you? What? In the drawer. Looking for something? No, just tidying things up. Your mother did that for you this morning. No. Is that why I can't find anything? Unless, of course, you were looking for this. What is it? What does it look like? It's a bottle. A bottle of tablets. Grand's tablets. Do you steal them, Janet? No. Though someone seems to have taken them from me. Now, that's enough. Your mother found them and knew they couldn't possibly belong to you. They are mine. She had no right to take them. She had every right. Now tell me, how did you get them? Gran gave them to me. Why? To keep for her, that's all. But you knew she was supposed to be taking them to cure her illness. She wasn't ill. And she didn't need to be drugged out of her mind so she'd lose John. She needed John. At least they're together now so they'll be happy. When Gran asked you to keep the tablets for her, did you know she wanted them saved? No, I just did as I was asked. Each day she saved three and passed them to me to keep safely until she asked for them back. And did she ask for them back? Yes, last night. So I gave them to her. Hmm. But not all of them, eh? You kept these. There were too many. We saved too many. I see. Oh, <laughs> Janet. Janet, darling. She died of an overdose, love. It would have been more of an overdose if you had given her all the tablets. Is that why you only gave her half? You loved her so much that you couldn't refuse to do what she wished, but at the same time, you hoped that if she didn't take enough, her plan might fail. Is that how you'd worked it out in your mind? Hmm? Yes, yes, it's true. And now she's gone away and left me, and it's all my fault. No, 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 darling, no, it's not your fault. She could always make people do what she wanted. Gran was a very persuasive lady. We'll never mention it again, love. Never. It's our secret. Yours, Mummy's and mine. OK? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it any more, Sally. It wasn't Janet's fault. But to aid and abet someone she loved so much to Look, commit Sally, suicide? Look, there's something I've never told you before. When I was a child, I used to carry messages between Mother and John Grove... I even helped her run away. You did? Mm. Even when you knew it meant leaving you behind? Now, the plan was that I should go with them. I funked it at the last minute, though. I let her down. I was tormented with guilt afterwards. You let her down? You let her you've down? You've never understood, Mother, and that's why you've never liked her. You see, she expected everything from those who professed to love her. She wouldn't even let poor old John die, would she? Well, at least your mother's death has rid this house of that abominable ghost or whatever it was. All right, Herbert. We'll try and forget the whole thing. We will, in time. But it will take time. 
Perhaps a holiday would help. Hmm? I've got some time, I mean. Yes. Oh, where's Janet now? Crying in her room. Gran? That you? I couldn't. I was too afraid. And now they've found the bottle and taken it away. What? I don't know what they've done with it. Honest, Gran. Janet. Yes, Mummy? Who were you talking to? No one. I was just learning some poetry. Saying it aloud to myself. in England again. Just look at the weather. Oh, it was a lovely fortnight. It was a marvellous holiday, wasn't it, Janet? Well, you enjoyed Spain, didn't you? It was all right. You don't sound too sure. All right, then. I enjoyed myself. Oh, it was nasty. I missed the house. What? I said I missed the house. I didn't. I missed Graham. Please, you know what I said. I know what you said, but it doesn't make me feel any different. Janet, Grand's dead. Let's forget about her, John, and all the other things. I think we'll take the suitcases in when it stopped raining. Okay, nice cup of tea first, eh? Oh, good! There's the house! Look, look! All right, all right. It's the same one we've lived in for the past ten years. I'm so pleased to be back again. Listen! What's the matter, Janet? Can't you hear them? We'd better make a dash for it. We must be able to hear them. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Oh, listen, damn you, listen! Dare you, Janet? Sally. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you hear... You heard them, didn't you? No. They're inside, waiting for me. They've missed me as much as I've missed them. Now, listen to me, Janet. I don't want to hear any more of this nonsense. Gran! John! Here I am! I'm back! I'm back! Janet! My God, what's she doing? Janet, you haven't got a front door key! Janet! Come back! But she's gone in. We must have left the door unlocked. Ooh, the door was locked. I made sure before we left. Janet! 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 Where are you? Janet! Oh, come on now, don't be silly. Janet! Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Sally. What in God's name are we going to do? Sally. <laughs> oh, she's nowhere in this house. She's gone. Oh, I'm frightened. I'm so frightened. She can't have disappeared. Not like that. Herbert, listen... She's gone. Janet! Gone! She can't. Don't vanish. 
No. No, not vanished. She's lost. Lost. That's the show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can look me up on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, if you have a suggestion, a request, hey, even a critique, feel free to email me at Radio Show Nerd at gmail.com and I do have a YouTube page literally Terror Radio so please check it out and subscribe highly appreciate it again this is Keith aka the Radio Show Nerd signing off <laughs>